0: This is good old boy Mike from Sips, Suds, and Smokes podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrian, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me.
1: And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation.
0: Episode 278 Barbie Movie Review. Chris McBrien along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. It's our first movie review of season nine, and we decided to go with a newer movie to kick things off. Last week, Derek suggested that we watch the 2023 blockbuster Barbie And we come back here and review it. Derek, I really like how you said, how do you put it? Something like, who wants to hear two old white guys talk about the importance of Barbie to women? Well said, my friend. So we thought it would only be prudent to have a female voice join us for our movie review. So we're lucky enough to be joined by Kay Myers. Derek, perhaps you could introduce Kay for all of our listeners, if you would.
1: Well, uh, I'm happy to. And uh, thanks for joining us and uh so kay's been on a couple of the shows in the past a couple of previous movie reviews and um you know if you think if you think you and i know a lot about movies i think kay would probably beat both of us in a movie trivia contest so uh she's definitely got the the pop culture chops and she has beaten us in trivia contests in the past oh, more than i once. would point out more yes. than once so uh kay welcome Thank you.
2: Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, happy to be here.
0: Yes, Kay. Welcome back to the show. You joined us previously for our movie review of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And Kay, you were actually scheduled to review Aliens, because it's one of your favorite movies of all time. It's one of my top five. However, once Kay heard that I didn't like it, she just walked off the set. (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm kidding. Obviously, we had some technical issues, so you couldn't join us. But you did join us for the trivia segment of that episode, if I remember correctly. So, uh Anyway, it's good to have you back, Kay, and we're oh, always glad to have much. you join us. It's always great. You want to maybe start us off, Kay? Have you been able to take in any pop culture in the last little uh, while that you can share with yes. us?
2: Yes. Uh, pop culture. Mm-hmm. So uh, Derek and I went to go see the second Aquaman movie last weekend, which was, you know, just turn off your brain, fun, dumb fun, Jason Momoa, yummy as always. So, you know. It's action. It's special effects.
0: It's it was
2: fun. We had a good time.
0: And anything else? You get ready to take in anything on television or uh, music Yeah, or anything? television.
2: Yeah. We've we watched. Uh, we also watched the uh, Marvel series on Disney called What If? So these are um, short stories about uh, you know the multiverse. Like what if Captain America was actually Captain Peggy Carter, and what if? you know different scenarios so they're actually really intriguing and really great i i really enjoyed it i don't know about you derek
1: yeah no i like them they're they're so what if uh obviously being part of the marvel franchise it it goes way back to the 70s and 80s it was a comic series for a long time where they were like what if spider-man joined the fantastic four and like they, they basically tried to give writers and creators the freedom to explore alternative avenues on some of their most popular characters and villains and franchises and things of that nature. So, um, you know, seeing that Marvel cinematic universe finds that they need to dip into every single pool to generate every, every revenue stream. This was yet another one that they've been working on. So it was the second season, right? Yes. That we were watching. Yeah. So I think it's nine episodes. They're about a half an hour a pop and yeah, they're quite good. Uh, all things considered, um, you know, you're, you're, for the most part, you have the actual actors from the movies voicing their characters in the animated series. Occasionally, you have a few of the, the bigger stars that were just not available, so you have sound-alikes, but uh, no, it was, it was pretty good quality,
0: yeah. Well, you know me, I don't keep up on anything new. You know, yeah, it's true, I really don't. <laughs> uh, but you guys tend to do, the the, the Golden Globes run last week, I don't want to put you on the spot, but did you happen to catch them at all, or can you...
2: Uh, Inform me on what happened. I did. I I well. I you know put them on the PVR and then I watched them Mm -hmm. on fast forward. But yeah, I I watched them. Um, you know the the host was not as great as has been in the past. Uh, I heard that saying it saying it nicely. Yeah. Mm Uh, you know the jokes were just you know amiss every single time, and a lot of the a lot of the wins um were you know to be expected. You know, for example, Succession. Um, basically, won all of the categories it was nominated in because it's the last uh, season. But um, there were, you know, a few surprises like female lead in a in a drama movie and and stuff like that. So it was, you know, a mixed bag. Um, you know, it was okay.
1: So, yeah, so I, I sort of felt the same. So, Sorry, so Chris, I, I yeah. have a
0: question. I have a question because again, I didn't watch it, and so it's a, no spoilers for me. Ted Lasso, you know how much I love Ted Lasso. It was the third and final. Just, it just came to mind because you said Succession was the third and final season of that, so it won all the awards. Well, it was Ted Lasso's final season, so it must have walked away with a boatload too, right? Please tell me it did.
1: Zero. Oh, yeah, it, Most. Uh, it, I was listening to another podcast where they basically said all the major TV awards were won essentially by three shows. Succession, The Bear, and Beef won all the major TV awards despite... You know, five or six other shows being nominated in, in all of those categories. And, and they sort of joked, but were sort of serious about are those shows that good, or was it more a fact, a uh, reflection of the voting body where they only watched these shows because that's where the buzz was and they didn't want to. Sort of throw away their vote by giving it to some up and comer or or someone who's won it in the past, like Ted Lasso. Although Succession and The Bear, I think, both won last year as well. So, all right, I have another but question. I,
2: I think I think when Ted Lasso first came out, it won all the awards in its in its first year. So, mm-hmm. you know, that just goes to show that it, obviously it is of quality and it's winning all the awards, but not in its last season.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have another question. So last week, Derek, you and I were talking and we looked at back at 2023, the year that was in pop culture. Right. And one of the things we were talking about was the the upcoming Emmys and how the bear was classified there as a comedy. The Golden Globes, they divide up television into comedy and drama too, I'm assuming. So I believe so. yeah. Did they consider the bear to be a comedy as well? I think so. It was. Yeah that's just i don't understand like i i mentioned last week
1: (laughs) i watched my
0: my wife watched the bear season one i couldn't really get into it but then i kind of picked it up in season two because she's like you gotta watch this with me so i watched it and it's quite good i'll give it that it was quite good but it's not a comedy it's not even close to being a comedy like i don't even understand i don't i just don't get it yeah oh well uh derek anything uh, else from you for last week
1: um the uh yeah so uh, uh sorry about the golden globes or just in general so just in general pop culture movies or uh, like so i didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of pop culture stuff this week uh mm-hmm. other things going on in real life stupid real life getting in the way of my <sighs> pop culture enjoyment <laughs> um go figure. but one of the things that i did uh have a chance to watch you, you know you go on the streamers and it says hey you've watched this we think you would like this other thing so there was a, a movie that i had watched uh i guess last year called Army of the Dead. It's a zombie movie that takes place in Las Vegas. It's directed by Zack Snyder, written and directed by Zack Snyder, who did the the Justice League movies. And um that came out last year, the year before well, 2021 came out a couple years ago. And you know, that was right up my alley. I love Vegas. I love zombie movies. Uh, Zack Snyder does all the superhero movies I like. So, you know, figured I'd give it a try and I enjoyed it. It was a fun action adventure heist kind of movie that took place in Vegas. Well, there's a, a sequel, I guess it's a prequel, even though it came out afterwards. Um, so the original one was called army of the dead. This one's called army of thieves. And it's uh sort of like the, the, the origin story of one of the band of misfits that's in the Army of the Dead movie, the guy who's the safe cracker. It's the, the how did he become uh, you know a criminal and why was he a part of the crew? And you'd think, why would you pick that guy? He was, you know, he's not really that famous. The actor's not really that famous, but uh, the story was actually quite good. And uh, the guy who plays, like the actor who actually plays the safe cracker, he directed the movie. Um, and he's got some pretty big credits under his belt too. I didn't realize that he's, he's German. And so obviously he probably has a lot of, a lot more success and is a lot more recognizable in Europe, but, uh, no, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know me, I like a good heist movie. Uh, the fact that it's a prequel to this zombie movie is kind of irrelevant from the zombie point of view. There's no zombies in this. Uh, you just have a couple of minutes in the movie where you see television screens in the background where the news reporters are saying, there's a plague outbreak in America right now. And of course, this movie takes place in Europe. So that that's sort of the only real connection outside of this character. But no, it was fun. It was good. If you've got Netflix, Army of Thieves pops up. I would say give it a go. And if you enjoy it, then go and see, go and watch Army of the Dead. So yeah. that was really the only uh, movie I saw. But I did have a chance to take in a documentary this week, finally.
0: Did you say documentary? For 40 days and 40 nights, watch documentaries. Likes to learn about the
1: world it's Derek's documentaries. Derek's documentaries. Please share. So, on Turner Movie Classics (TMC) they or TCM, pardon me, Turner Classic Movies, they um, they're running a six-part documentary series called "The Power of Film." This is based on a book oh. by uh, a professor of pop culture and film uh, named Howard Suber. And this is a six-part documentary series. Each, each episode's an hour long. The first one dropped last week. Both Kay and I watched it. I'll just read you a little blurb here about what they say. They, like, you know, the the question they were asked is like, well, why would you bother making this thing? And then they are talking about this will this will the series will explore why films have have such a cultural and emotional impact on audiences, both upon their original release and still to to this day. So, Chris, that, that's basically what our show is about, right? It's we mm-hmm. we want to find movies that have that nostalgia button that that you want to go back and watch again, that you want to identify the new movies that you think have staying power. This this documentary uh, basically taps into that, and the the professor is obviously at the forefront, the author of the book. They do a, a, it's like you know he's the talking head. They ask him the questions, but there's a ton of movie clips thrown in to really emphasize and punctuate what he's saying. So even though only the first one uh, started last week, uh, it's going to run one a week for the next five weeks in a row. Uh, again, it's called The Power of Film. It's on Turner Classic Movie. I really enjoyed it. I mean, Kate, you watched it. What did you think?
2: I thought it was fantastic. It's um, He really goes into in-depth as to, you know, themes in certain films, like, for example, the The Power of Family and the power of the hero going on a journey and even just the ratio aspect of film for example having close-ups and having wide shots and how it can affect how you feel about the film that you're watching
1: yeah chris i think you'd really dig it so this sounds uh, like it's up my alley for yeah, sure. I, yeah. I, I suspect they'll rerun them uh like most most channels like this now what they'll do is so this the episodes are on thursday nights i suspect what they'll do is thursday an hour before the new episode they'll show last week's and then they'll show this week's that's how it usually works so uh, if you can catch the first one great if not you got five more to enjoy so uh, i think people who are listening to this podcast would probably dig it so check it out it's on tcm it's on thursday nights and uh, the first episode's the only one out so far so you're not that far behind
0: cool okay for me my pop culture thing this week involves my youngest son So he started watching Power Rangers again. He used to watch it a couple years ago and he's just like gotten back into it, I guess so. So uh, I never watched the Power Rangers like back in the 90s whenever it came out. But there used to be like one version of the show, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, right? So I walked by the living room the other day and he's in there watching it and I go, oh, hey, it's the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And my son's like, oh, Dad, you're so lame. It's not the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It's Dino Fury. I'm like, well, then. <laughs> okay. So so I'm like... is Don't this even
2: understand what that is. Exactly.
0: And I'm like, is this the one you used to watch when you were younger? He's like, no. That was Ninja Steel. So apparently there's like multiple incarnations of this stupid thing now. They all look exactly <laughs> the same. But the thing is, not only am I lame, I'm also apparently in trouble. Because my wife comes in and she says to my son, which one is your favorite Power Ranger? He's like, oh, I like the black one. But daddy's favorite is the pink Power Ranger. (laughs) And I'm sleeping on the couch. (laughs) Oh, brother. Oh, man. Okay, I got this one too. Here's your dad joke of the week. This one, instead of having like a question and a punchline, is like a little story I just want to tell you. Okay? Okay. I'll
1: get my groans
0: warmed up. Yeah, please. Okay, so the weather forecast the other day called for rain, but it was sunny outside. So I asked Siri, surely it's not going to rain today? And Siri replied, yes, it is, and don't call me surely. That's when I realized that I left my phone on airplane mode. <laughs>
1: That's pretty good actually. Oh yes baby! (laughs) This is a little more Chris's documentaries than Derek's documentaries. <laughs> was I, I in it? I, like, did they, did they feature me in it? I, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, and I don't normally talk about things I haven't seen. Did they go like, local celebrities or something like that? Well, I think it's going to be kind of laughably bad. Have
0: you seen my old TV show? But that was as old school as you can get.
1: I'm not really holding out hope that it's going to be awesome. Good luck on if, that if, one. If I really want to understand Chris and who he is, I need to watch this documentary.
0: If you really want to understand me go back and watch like WKRP in Cincinnati okay as I mentioned at the top of the show last week we took a look back at 2023 in pop culture and then at the end of the show Derek you thought it'd be a good idea to watch the film Barbie from last year and come back and review it here on the podcast Uh, needless to say we would greatly benefit from a female perspective and that's why Kay is with us this week but maybe to kick things off Derek Maybe just take a minute, explain why you wanted to review this movie.
1: Sure. Well, uh, number one, it's a great film. It was definitely one of my favorites from last year. Uh, I I think that there's a lot of people that went out of their way to not see it. Mostly men, I would suspect, uh, either because they thought it was going to be stupid. They thought it wasn't going to speak to them. They thought it was going to be, you know, over the top girl power. But uh, as a guy, I was already curious to see what the movie was going to be about, because as, as we've said in the past, I try to avoid trailers. I'll, you know, I don't want anything spoiled for me before I get into the theater. So I didn't know anything about it going in, but I thought, you know, they're putting all this effort into it. They're not going to waste their time and money by putting out a piece of garbage. And it was fantastic. I, I was blown away by how great it was. And I think that, uh, you know, I think everyone should see it. I think it the message is is uh, so important and I think I, I think it's more important even the guys see it because I think a lot of men are just so oblivious to so many things and I'm probably oblivious to certain things myself more than I'm aware of you know it's that whole thing you don't know what you don't know but I think a lot of the 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 issues and the comments and the the commentary that, that comes through in this movie you know it's a movie written by written by women directed by a woman produced by a woman starring a woman like You know it's it's girl power on film but it's done in a way that that is universal and and i I feel that uh you know our our audience should see it if they haven't seen it already plus if you're a movie buff it's gonna it's already demonstrated it's been nominated for a bunch of awards it's already won a handful of awards i think kay has got the list there i'll let her talk about that a little bit um you know, every year we talk about all the movies that are in top contention for things like the Oscars. This movie's going to be among that that group. So whether or not you you think Barbie is a movie for you, if you're a movie person, I think you owe it to yourself to see it, simply to understand um, just how important and how good it was compared to other movies that came out this year. And I think, as we've, we often talk about, I think this is the kind of movie that's going to have a tremendous amount of staying power. People are going to watch it. They're going to watch it again and again. They're going to want their friends to watch it. They're going to want their kids to watch it. Um, and hopefully it it encourages people, women specifically, to to, you know, be more take take bigger roles, uh, like, like be more active, like, you know, it's I think it's um, it's just an, it's an important piece of our pop culture that is uh, long overdue. And uh, I, I think people who haven't seen it really should. So, Kate,
0: we're going to do definitely do a deep dive on this film. We're going to get involved in a lot of different areas, and we'll get there. But just off the top, maybe if you could just give us your brief overall impression of the film.
2: Um, I, like Derek, I didn't have any expectations uh, going in. I mean, I knew who the you know couple of lead actors were. That was just about it. Um, and I'd never really played with Barbies myself growing up. I think I might have had a doll. Um, so I wasn't really like, you know, Barbie girl that way. But, uh, you know, I was curious and I was you know completely blown away, especially by, like as Derek was saying, a lot of the messaging putting out there about um, just what women have had to go through and what they're still going through and just how it's represented through a doll. And it, I, I just, I loved it entirely. Um, can't, can't say enough good things about it. Just love it. I
0: think like you guys, like, I didn't know what to expect from this thing. Like, was it going to focus on toys? Was it just like walking, talking dolls, like with little substance going on? And like, I didn't know what to expect. And I remember the only real tip off i had about this film was i remember i saw like it was like a paparazzi picture or something of like ryan gosling when they were shooting the film in like these crazy colored clothes and i think he was on like these roller skates in like santa monica or something like that i was like i didn't know what to expect i and you know i don't really like a lot of the movies that you suggest eric it's just the way i am no kidding (laughs) i know uh this week was different i thought this was fantastic I thought it was really, really good. Um, We can stay friends with Chris. We
2: can stay friends with you then. (laughs) I
0: was actually really surprised by how good it was and how much I enjoyed it. So I watched it with my wife. Uh, One of the few movies that she actually uh, agreed to watch with me for the podcast. She usually Mm. doesn't. And funny enough, I even liked it better than her. Believe it or not. So, okay, so let's dive into this movie a bit. First of all, let's start with the box office. So it was the number one film at the box office last year. Took in $636 million domestically at the U.S. box office. Number one, uh, finished ahead of the Super Mario Brothers movie, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and Oppenheimer. And uh, it was obviously marketed very sort of creatively along with Oppenheimer because they came out at the same time. They were calling it like barbenheimer and all that stuff but you again going back to that paparazzi picture that i saw i thought this is just like a stylistic movie about toys like but it's not there's so many themes going on so i that's where i'd like to start if we could some of the themes that are going on in this movie it is it is definitely substance over style and I did not think that was oh, going to be the case. there's
2: lots of style in it, yeah, too. So there's really a lot of style, something, too.
0: Because the style yeah. is definitely there. You're right. Because it definitely has a look and obviously that bubblegum pink, you know, kind of pervasive color going on all the time. But that being said, I was like wowed by the substance in it. So one of the themes that really jumped out to me right from the get-go was the idea of perfection. And I think, you know, the movie started out pretty much the way I expected it to. Everything is perfect right there's this world where everything's pink everyone's beautiful everyone's perfect it's the every day is like the same day and every day is the best day ever <laughs> you know and i i guess and that women rule ex- yes of course the world that they're in the, the women rule and i think that's what i expected the movie to be it's just every day is perfect and this is what it is and then you know like i don't know her and ken go off in their barbie camper and everything's just you know nothing bad ever happens i mean I mean, even Margot Robbie's character is called Stereotypical Barbie. <laughs> so, I mean, everything is like about perfect, right? But then the movie starts to get really good because it's, it sounds, you know... There, by the way, there are lots of spoilers in this. <laughs> you know, obviously, oh, let's talk about it. But she starts having these thoughts of death. And then her, fleet, her feet get like flattened out and she gets cellulite on her thighs. And, and I love how they handle it because... It's like her human owner imposed these thoughts on her. And I love that aspect of the film. I thought that was kind of a unique way to kind of approach the subject matter, don't you think?
1: Derek? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, it's we always talk about how there's no original ideas. Everything's a remake. Everything's a, a reimagining. Everything's intellectual property, comic books, video games, what have you. Uh, you know, when you, when you hear Barbie, you think, oh, to your point, this is just going to be uh, a, a two hour commercial for them to hawk toys and, and, and merchandise. Uh, you know, I was thinking of things like the Transformers movie, which, you know, again, was hot garbage. And you went in thinking, oh, this is just going to be like how boys play with toys, giant monsters punching each other. And it's like, oh, well, what's this Barbie movie going to be like? And, uh, the fact that it wasn't just that, I think, uh, speaks to the importance of, of everything that the movie was trying to convey. And, and within like five minutes, you realize exactly to your point whatever preconceptions you might've had coming in, they're out the door immediately, uh, but you're brought in with with the spectacular visuals and and the style, you know, we talked about style over substance, but I mean, the style is still so fantastic. I don't even know if it's style over substance. It's almost like style and substance are sort of side-by-side side in this one, and, and that's important.
2: I think, I think for- that's what's gonna make it a, a long-lasting uh, like film that people are gonna wanna keep watching years from now.
0: Oh, definitely. Like, for me, I mean, I I, just, I went in with some sort of stereotypical thoughts that, like, Barbie, I think, always represents perfection and something that's almost, like, unattainable for girls. And they definitely address that here. And but when Margot Robbie, Robbie realizes that, uh, that Barbies have caused all these, like, image issues for girls, she gets this reality check. But the thing is, like, they're also saying that girls impose personality traits onto their Barbies they can I guess in some way like a reflection of themselves and this I think is where we need some help because you know as Derek mentioned like we're a couple of old white guys we didn't play with Barbies and and Kay you mentioned you you didn't really play with Barbies either but any insight on how girls play with Barbies is it just Barbie reflecting to them or do they reflect it on the Barbie or is it a two-way street or
2: Um, I think it's a two-way street, but it's also, like, like in the movie says, like, up until then, there's only been baby dolls, so they can finally, with a Barbie doll, um, like, you know, pretend or act or project onto this doll about how to be a grown-up, how to have a life, how to have a career, how to, um, you know, own a house and own a car and be your own woman. It's just something that they could aspire to um with this doll so yeah
0: I guess the only way I can relate to it is how I played with action figures <laughs> as a kid you wanted to be Han Solo did you well I, I never played with GI Joe or anything like that and I know you did so we'll get to that um for me there, there was a couple toys I played with that were kind of related to this topic so Star Trek figures they were basically mega Barbie dolls that looked like the cast of Star Trek and then probably my favorite toys ever were the Star Wars action figures. So, but for me, even as a kid, I feel like I was more of a collector of the Star Wars figures than just playing with them. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess Luke Skywalker so, got...
2: I, I think I think the difference between boy toys and girl <laughs> toys, the boy toys, you they were geared towards you fantasizing about you know, different sci-fi adventures and stuff like that. Whereas the girl toys were geared towards girls to pretend to be moms and to clean house and to be carers. So the, you know, to be subservient, that kind of thing. So I think that's, that's where we differ in the toys as we were growing up.
0: So what about when, like, cause Barbie was pretty famous Back in the day for the dolls, you know, doing different things like there was like whether it was lawyer Barbie or, you know, all these different, you know, political Barbie or whatever they were. Again, I'm not really familiar with them, but I think there was lots of opportunities or they tried to put Barbie in different situations, maybe to show girls that you could do these things. Correct. Is that fair? Yeah. Like, Yeah,
2: that's that's fair. They, they, you know, through the years, they finally realized that. They needed to have Barbie have many different careers. They even a few years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, changed the actual body shape of some Barbies to have like a fuller figure, um, to have um, smaller boobs, you know, that kind of thing, to not be as unrealistic body shapes as they have been typically in the past. And also like different different skin tones, different, you know, different cultures. So they're really trying to bring her into, you know, the 21st century, uh, you know, to really showcase what diverse diversity we have in people. They wanted to show that in the doll as well so that people can see themselves reflected.
0: So you were saying like boys, when we play with our with our action figures, we sort of superimpose ourselves into there in a fantasy way hoping Correct. that we're the one in the x like,
2: you know, for, for, you know, years and years, for generations, right? Like those, you boys got the fantasy, you know, toys you could use and play with cars and, you know, sci-fi stuff, whereas girls got dolls, they got houses, they got cooking play sets, they got babies, they got all the things that, you know, society told them to you know, this is how to prepare you to be a mother or a you know a carer.
0: Instead so I wonder of, if instead
2: of trying to be you know the adventurer,
0: right, right. And I wonder if the fact that they made all these different Barbies later on, if that had an effect, if that made girls and want to like impose themselves on that. Like, hey, I want to be a lawyer one day too, or whatever.
2: It it did it did absolutely like Good. they you know they could see that that the dolls were. Doctors and lawyers, and you know that kind of thing. So they could finally think I could do that as well, instead of just being a stay-at-home mom.
0: See, for me, like playing with my Star Wars action figures wasn't so much about me wanting to be them and do that. It was more about how I recreated my experience with the movie. Like I might have the figures recreate scenes from the movie. You know what I mean? Like Derek, what about mm-hmm. you? Like you, 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 how did you play with your action figures or you know G.I. Joe yeah, or I think, Star Wars stuff?
1: I, I, I think i'm sort of the same as you but again i think uh you know growing up in the early late 70s early 80s things were very different right uh, to Kay's point there were tons and tons of boy toys and there was a wide variety and there was not really a wrong way to play with them whereas i think you know to to uh, build on what kay has been talking about I th- i think that a lot of girl toys were very limited there might have been different kinds of dolls but they're all generally the same they all were more of that You know, society believes that you should be this kind of a person and that's what the toys were geared for. It was almost like they were, uh, you know, training manuals for little girls on how to become moms. It's like, well, that's great if you, you know, you can certainly be a mom, but where was the, you know, you didn't have the equivalent of a Star Wars movie in the late 70s, early 80s, where nine out of the 10 characters were women. You You had Star Wars and it was the damsel in distress and a bunch of dudes. Uh, you know, and that was a reflection of the attitudes at the time. So it's, it's definitely a, uh, you know, a huge step forward that 40 years later, we're getting this Barbie movie and it's, it's got this message. It's unfortunate it's taken th- this long, but you know, uh, um, progress is being made and there's obviously still room for improvement. Let's, so that being said, let's take a look at
0: another theme and, uh, Kay kind of brought it up, this idea of the patriarchy, because In the Barbie universe in this film, women have control. And then in the real world, men have control. And I liked how this film played those two off of each other. So I'm gonna ask, Kay, maybe we'll start with you. Ultimately, what do you think the message of the film is in regard to patriarchy and matriarchy issues?
2: I mean, I think they were just trying to showcase how, you know, how very male dominated we are in this real world mm-hmm. and how ridiculous a lot of it is. Like, for example, the whole male um, board board team uh, for Mattel. All, all these guys are all white guys who are running this, you know, this toy company for girls and they think they know what girls want, you know what I mean? So I think they were just really trying to emphasize how, you know, just males have taken over everything and think that they know what's best for everybody. And having that juxtaposition from the Barbie land where it's, it's all females and, you know, Barbie coming into the real world just gets This glimpse of, wow, this is so different from what I'm used to, and I don't know how to deal with it, is basically what women go through every day, all day. This is how we feel every day, all day. So it was just sort of a, you know, what's been implicit has now been made explicit for everybody to view and understand that this is what we feel every day. And and then when Ken sees it, he thinks, oh, my God, this is the best. (laughs) And of course he would, because he's a guy. Right.
0: (laughs) And it's so funny because everything that you're saying, all those those things that the the movie points out made some people very uncomfortable.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And I'm kind of glad that it does, because it makes people look into themselves and go, well, why do I feel this uncomfortable? Why is this making me so angry? Like, what is it about me? Because, you know, obviously they've been brought up to believe this one thing. And now, you know, women are trying to say, well, you know, that's that's wrong. You know, not to, not to say that it's wrong, but it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's different ways of thinking and doing things. And they're just trying to really showcase that, you know. It's it's okay to feel that way, but we need to make some big changes. Uh,
0: Unfortunately, what you're saying requires self-reflection and some critical thought, which a lot of people don't possess. Unfortunately, if they did, maybe we wouldn't be where we are. Right.
1: Uh, Derek, any thoughts on this this theme here? Yeah. So the one thing and and I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, Mm -hmm. I think, to really accentuate, emphasize and, and go over the top with this idea is. In Barbie Land, when you see and hear Ken and the way he behaves at the beginning of the movie, seems, at least I think to most male viewers, like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. Look at this. But then you start to think about it, and you're like, this is how women often behave, in many cases, because society forces them to think that this is how they have to behave. But when you see Ken doing it, it seems so over the top and ridiculous that you laugh at it that you know, as, as a point of of, of humor. But in
2: in a lot of movies that's that's what
1: the girlfriend character yeah, is like absolutely and but in a, in in a typical movie if if a, if the roles were reversed and the woman was saying and feeling those things everyone would be like yeah that that sounds about right and and nobody would think it would be odd for a woman to to behave that way uh but when the man in this movie behaves that way it, it gets a lot of criticism of oh well you know that was ridiculous why would he be do that and it's like don't you realize what's happening here? The whole point of this is to 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 swap the gender roles so that the people that need to understand this the most are seeing it in this, such an extreme way that maybe they will actually start to think about it and realize like, hey, you know, is this really what, what women think about? Yes. Yes. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Like you need to make it somewhat family friendly so you can't dive into some of these things too much, but- If it starts to open the door and generate conversation, then I think it's doing what the movie's trying to, it's accomplishing what the movie's trying to to, to accomplish.
0: Yeah, and I like how they flip it because the Kens don't exist unless Barbies show them attention. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like how women have been made to feel historically you know, in the non Barbie world. Right. And and I love how I think it's like at the end of the movie when the Ken's are starting to get, they they decide to give the Ken's just a little bit of power. And, and, and the one Ken is like, does this mean we get a Ken Supreme court justice? And the one Barbie's like, I don't know. She's like, I'm paraphrasing, but she's going to like slow down a little bit here not too fast, (laughs) which I thought was kind of funny. Cause again, it just kind of shines a light on everything just from the the other perspective, right? Which is so one yeah, exactly. of the good parts of the film. Um, another theme that I wanted to bring up was existentialism. Because I think that might be one of the most important aspects of the film. For, you know, like, because why are we here? Like, why do we exist? What's it all about, right? And Barbie, well, the Margot Robbie Barbie, she makes this choice. Like, she'd rather leave Barbie world and go live in reality. Even though that means she's going to experience... Real emotions, good and bad, obviously. She's going to experience growth and aging and eventually death. But she chooses that life over the other life, which is eternal happiness and ignorant bliss. So that's what I kept thinking when I was watching this. I thought, what an interesting concept. So I'm going to put it to you both. I'm going to put you on the spot. You get two choices. Option one, a life of ignorant bliss. Always happy, no problems. Live forever. Option two, real life. With emotions, ups and downs, growth, aging, death. Which one are you gonna pick? Option two. Option two?
2: Option option one's too boring.
1: Yeah, I think I think you you need to understand the the highs and lows to be able to genuinely uh you know feel the greatness of those highs and the the despair of the lows if you don't know what that range feels like, then how do you gain that sense of accomplishment, that sense of pride, that sense of purpose uh you know um yes, it's possible that you would then also have the sense of despair and and, and downfall and things that might come with that. i mean it's a it's a, a pendulum it can swing both ways but if you're only ever on one track forever, Although an outside observer might say, this is amazing. If you don't know any different then how, you know, to you, it's not amazing as much as it's just the norm. Whereas if you can experience those highs and lows and then you manage to hit those highs, you know, you can, you can appreciate them for what they are. And I think that's a lot of what the movie talks about as well.
2: But I think also, uh, like... Barbie land is not the same after the end of the movie like you know all of the Barbies and the Ken's they've learned they've grown themselves as well so it's not going back to the you know pretty pink world that Mm -hmm. was at the beginning of the movie it's 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 still going to be you know kind of perfectly women led you know Barbie land but in a different sort of more woke way Mm
0: -hmm. there's two great speeches in this movie, and I want to talk about both of them. The first one was um, America Ferreira when she says, basically, she says it's literally impossible to be a woman. You know, you got to be thin, but not too thin, a boss, but not mean like a mother, but you can't always talk about your kids. And maybe the best line of the whole movie is in her speech. When she says, you have to answer for men's bad behavior. And I think that struck a nerve. Like it did with me. And good. and I yeah, and I think it struck a nerve positively and negatively. Like positively for, for me, like I think it's a that's a good thing. Like to to technologists, holy crap, she's right. What the hell? Derek, man, I feel bad. Like we're jerks, like overall, as, as a race, you know, as a gender. <laughs> but I think some people you know, flipped it the other way. or like, you know, screw you kind of thing. And they took it negatively. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that felt this movie was too, uh, to use your word, uh, Kay, that it's too woke. You know, like well, this is, they, you know, if you watch like Fox News, not that I watch Fox News, but if you watch like just the, the, the way that they were just slagging this movie. And I think it has to do with with that. I think it just cuts a little too close to the bone for some people. But it's so true because
2: because they're they're afraid of change they're mm-hmm. they don't like being challenged to their power so they you know when somebody speaks a truth like that which is you know a truth for basically every woman everywhere um you know that just challenges their power and they don't like it and so they're gonna slam
0: which is just, it's just so amazing. Like, we were talking last week, Derek, about how some men hate Taylor Swift, you know, and I kept thinking about that when I was watching this movie. And it's like any shift at all in regard to equal rights is construed as a threat by some people. It's so crazy because giving someone else the same rights as you doesn't mean less rights for you, it's not pie. You know, like,
2: I, but it, but it's a challenge to their power.
0: Yeah, so they just yeah. freak out about it, you know.
2: And well, th- let me let me tell you when I when we saw the movie in the theater and I heard America Ferrer's speech and right at the end, I literally started clapping. I was so <laughs> I was so emotional because that like what we feel every day, all day. She just put it out there. It. It like brought tears to my eyes It made me want to scream like, yes, it
1: was just such a great speech. Yeah, the whole theater clapped and, and uh, you know, again, yeah, like to hear it up there, to see it up there and to have that, you know, like we were saying at the beginning, the idea of to see yourself reflected on screen, to have a voice and, and here's this you know the number one movie of the year has this this message and and hopefully this movie will be around and be watched again and be remembered and and hopefully this this that speech in particular i mean the whole movie but that speech in particular is is heard over and over again and is absorbed and and hey if you don't like it ask yourself why and uh, yeah no it's it, it, that to me was the 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 highlight of the movie
0: this must have been a different experience watching in the theater obviously more of a collective experience i know a lot of People went to see it like with their daughter, and so it was a real mother-daughter thing. Like, and they marketed it so well, you know, for that. You know, there there were
2: a lot of families there with kids, and a lot of people wearing pink. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it was it was it was a good collective experience. Yeah,
0: just because we you know we may have made progress but patriarchy still exists and it like it has not changed a whole lot but I guess at least with this speech like maybe women can feel less alone in that moment and dealing with all this crap so yeah maybe it would have been better as a sort of a collective experience so uh so that's the one speech the other speech that I want to mention was Rhea Perlman's at the end when Barbie meets Ruth Handler She's the, the creator of Barbie, right? And she basically asked for permission to become human so she can be like real or whatever. And I love how real Pearlman as, as handler says, you don't need my permission. I can't control you any more than I can control my own daughter. And the thing is like, again, just like the last speech, she wasn't talking to Barbie. She was talking to every single female member of that audience mothers and daughters alike and and I I really hope my wife doesn't get upset she doesn't really listen to the podcast but I hope she doesn't get upset (laughs) with me but she was crying during that speech Mm. and and like I like obviously I can't relate to it I mean but I get it but I don't get it you know like that was a great speech don't you think okay
2: um absolutely like it it was you know with with the song with uh, billy eilish's song mm-hmm. um what was i made for just over top that whole scene uh, which won best golden globe fyi um like really emotional um impact and just you know it it makes you really want to root for her and and want her to become human even though she you know doesn't have to ask for it right
0: mm-hmm. so I want to talk a little bit about the cast, because I think the cast in this film, I think it was very, very well cast. So we'll start with, with Margot Robbie. So I'm not really all that familiar with her work. I mean, what a surprise. You know, she wasn't in movies back in the 80s. But I did see Wolf of Wall Street, but that was it. I mean, she was in I, Tanya as Tonya Harding, right? She, I don't know. She's like a little too good looking to play Tonya Harding, I think, but... um. I thought she was perfectly cast here. I mean, she's physically perfect, like stereotypical Barbie, but I feel like she's got the acting chops to give that character a lot of depth. I liked her a lot in this. Do you agree with that, Derek? Did you like Margot Robbie in the lead role?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to, to, you're going to make a Barbie movie. The The lead needs to look like mm-hmm. the, the you know, stereotypical Barbie, which she does. And they certainly made her up with the hair and the makeup and the costumes to to make that Um, even easier to believe. Um, One of the things that I did find was sort of interesting is so she was before this movie, she was well known for playing Harley Quinn, which is uh, from DC Comics, uh, Batman villain. And you had a lot of girls emulating Harley Quinn. They were dressing as her for Halloween and costume parties. And you had all these old men oogling at her at them because they were trying to dress like her character in those movies. Then when this, those same girls were dressing as Barbie based on what the, was going on in the movie, you had a lot of people going, well, I don't like that they're dressing like Barbie because it sends the wrong message. And it's it's this, you know, it's too <laughs> woke. And it's like, come on, you know, you were fine when they were scantily clad and you could check them out and be pervs. But now that they actually want to emulate what they're seeing on the screen to empower themselves to to, you know, be be their own girl, be their own woman, and and put them in a position where they they can you know try and take that power back. You're you're upset with it. It's, it's such a uh you know such a double standard as as so often happens to women. So. so you and I obviously liked Marco robbie
0: in in this role, but I mean the one that really counts, K. What do you think? How do you think of the casting?
2: Oh, I thought she was perfectly cast. Yeah, Go I ahead. mean she's she's got that bubbly personality that's like barbie she's funny she can do physically funny comedy um she can be serious she can bring you to tears in a second she's she's the whole package i i love her
0: Mm -hmm. oh my god that scene like i say with Rhea perlman at the end the way she reacts to that speech wow that was pretty good (laughs) she's got some chops that's for sure um ryan gosling I'm going to go I was not
2: expecting him as Ken, uh, to be honest. Like, so what did you think? Did you like? You know, when when you think of Ken, Ryan Gosling does not come to mind. True. But after watching the movie, I loved it. I thought he was hilarious. I thought he was over the top when he needed to be. Um, you know, I'm just Ken. Like, you, you can't get any better than that. And the whole beach fight scene. You know, uh, he was he was hilarious as he needed to be like he he played a perfectly good, dumb Ken, but did have a little bit of growth in there. So, you know, my hat's off to him.
0: So, Derek, Ryan Gosling is usually a pretty serious actor, takes his roles pretty seriously. It's a bit of a, you know, critical darling seemed like an he odd was choice. in
2: disney he was in mickey mouse club that's true that's
1: he where he got model, started I mean, dancing and dance right yeah. like
0: he's got diversity yeah i mean he started that with like britney spears and christina aguilera and stuff right and he's is he canadian too yes, yes he is. is yeah i thought he was from like london or something like that so um what do you think of him in this role like i say he wouldn't have been the first choice you wouldn't think but you know what do you think
1: yeah, no, I, I like Kay, I, I knew he'd been cast, but that was all. And, uh, you know, I, my, my million-dollar question was – Do you think he's naturally that hairless or do you think they had to wax him down every few days (laughs) to keep him smooth um but he obviously had to get into incredible physical shape which is which was nice to see because all these actors get buffed for for these big action movies and comic book movies so it was nice to see that he he took the role seriously enough to be like i'm gonna be in the barbie movie i'm gonna be ken i gotta i gotta physically look fantastic and i mean all the main ken's certainly had had a great physical appearance like i'm sure we're going to talk about simu liu in a minute i see one of the other kens and like again you you don't initially think of a ken being anything other than the blonde white guy but as you start to see more diversity in barbie you start to see more diversity in Ken, and it's like hey you you want an attractive asian man he's at the top of the list man like great casting there and the new
2: um the new doctor who Shurigawa, it was also in this uh in this movie, as as a Ken as well. Um, But I also love the diverse um, casting of all the Barbies. Um, You had like Issa Rae as the president. You had Kate McKinnon as weird Mm -hmm. Barbie. How perfectly cast was that? Yeah. Like she was amazing as weird Barbie. Um, You had all these different Barbies of color. You had a trans Barbie. You had Barbies with in a wheelchair, um, different body types. So they were really consciously aware of which people to cast as Barbie to just show the range of diversity. And I absolutely loved that.
1: I got the fact that they were all just called Barbie, Barbie. with the exception Mm -hmm. of president Barbie. And the main one refers to herself as stereotypical Barbie, but nobody actually calls her that. Well, I guess weird Barbie and and, weird Barbie and weird Barbie, Mm -hmm. but we call you weird Barbie behind your back and into your your face. face. Yeah. (laughs) But all the rest of them, it's just, you know, single name and that's it. You don't need to say, Black Barbie, White Barbie, Asian Barbie—they're just—they're all Barbie, and that was it. And 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 I think that was perfect. I think that you would have done them a disservice to try and give them some sort of uh, de- designation, different designation, other than just "you are Barbie," straight up.
2: The same, the same with the Kens when they, when they at the end when they were going to fight the other Kens and they mm-hmm. said which Kens, you Ken or uh, us Kens? <laughs> like they even got confused as to which Kens they were fighting and who they were talking about.
0: Um, Will Farrell. Now you already mentioned all these older white guys that are like running the, the boardroom and making decisions on the Barbie dolls. But I, I have a bit of a hot take for you. I don't really like Will Farrell. I, oh, yeah, I think he kind of sucks. Big fan either. I mean, I liked wow. him in old school. That was maybe like about it. Maybe elf, I guess. But I don't know. Other than that, I just, he kind of sucks. I'm not a big fan of him. So I saw him in there. So I was like, Ugh, I you take him or leave him. Not a big deal. Um, he's
2: he's good at uh, you know being a, a stupid old white man, you know, with stupid old white man comments. Like he's very good yeah. at doing that and being a buffoon and being you know over the top stereotypical patriarchal, you know, in that in that sense. And so you know, having him in that role was was you know pretty genius.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and and Derek, you mentioned similar to you. He's done pretty well for himself, eh? He's a, he's like a he's a Canadian. Well, he was he's raised Toronto in Canada, boy, Toronto yeah. guy, man. He was born in China, but he was yeah. He came here when he was a kid. And he he grew up in Mississauga, and he got started with Canadian TV, obviously Blood and Water, and then Kim's Convenience with your good friend Paul Sung Young Lee. That's yep. both of you are friends with him. So, yep. and then when he was cast as Shang Chi, like that, pretty much made him a Hollywood star. You know, like, and he's done very well. And I thought he was well cast. I thought he was good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's
0: great. Um, <clears throat> Michael Sarah. So I just want to give him a shout out. Alan. He's so great. I didn't even know Alan was a thing.
2: Neither did I.
0: Is, <laughs> Alan is a real doll in the Barbie toy line. Paid, Apparently,
2: you know? Yeah. <laughs> Along with the pregnant Barbie and, and all the weird ones like that. Yeah.
0: I, I thought Michael Sarah was the perfect choice to play Alan, mm-hmm. this kind of bland character that just kind of fades into the background. He is the thing with him is he's so self-aware of himself and his role. It just, it's so funny. He just mm-hmm. embodies Alan. I thought, I thought he was just every time he was on screen, I just laughed, you know, but uh, I want to talk, talk a little bit about the two other female characters and the non-barbie non ones. So America Ferreira was one. I thought she was fantastic and perfectly cast. Not only was she perfectly cast, I felt like it was inspired casting because she played a character on TV called Ugly Betty, if you remember, because yeah. she didn't look like the perfect female, you know, and I thought she was absolutely fantastic in this role. Uh, Kay, what do you think of, uh, of America for her?
2: I love her as well. Like she was, you know, the perfect blend of like trying to be a mom, trying to be cool, you know, trying to help this, you know, new friend of hers, Barbie, like, uh, and she just, you know, embodies everything that women go through and feel and want to try and put out there for their, their daughters or put for everybody. I mean, she, you know, her ideas, like just, just irrepressible thoughts of death Barbie. Like it's just, she was, she was amazing.
1: Derek agree, liked her. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I'm not as familiar with the work she did before this. I've seen her in some things um, where she's had like guest appearances. Um, but the things I've seen her in, I, I have enjoyed. Uh, like she's a, an incredible performer. And I think that she was a uh, perfect choice for this. And she did such a fantastic job. Last member of the cast I want to talk about is Rhea
0: Perlman. Do you, I have a question. Do you think she deserves an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress for this role? Uh, No. No, No? I don't think so. Oh, you don't, eh? Oh. No. Because the Academy usually loves those kind of roles, don't they? Like, Supporting Actress Oscars are either, like, a young up-and-comer, like Jennifer Hudson or Angelina Jolie or someone like that, or a veteran who deserves some, like, career praise. Remember, like, Jamie Lee Curtis last year? Like that. And I think people generally loved Rhea Perlman on Cheers. So she just, to me, would be a natural fit as a nominee. But not just for that reason. I thought she was really good in this movie. And it, it doesn't take a ton of screen time to get a nomination. Or even do it. Look at Judy Dench in Shakespeare in Love. She was hardly in that movie at all. And she won. I thought Rhea Perlman
1: was great. So
0: you both disagree. This is interesting. I thought she was fabulous
1: well i think uh, i think there's about seven other more deserving women in this movie alone that that had uh you know that are probably more deserving for again a lot of the reasons you said um i you know and i think that because she's only in two scenes like yeah she's got a great speech at the end but i don't think that's enough to, to get a nomination for an academy award Kay,
0: what are your thoughts you obviously agree with with Derek on this She didn't think she deserves an um, oscar nomination for this.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I mean she, you know, she delivered the speech very well, but it, you know, it wasn't amazing acting. You know what I mean? It, yeah. uh, I like I'm not too sure who would be in which which category, but I would choose if if America Ferrera would be a supporting actress in in that category, mm-hmm. I would choose her over Rhea Perlman.
0: I guess for me it was just sort of the gravitas of the that that last speech that she gives in the film just it kind of ties everything together and it just it seemed really really important so i don't know maybe that was my take um and then i want to ask you guys about the musical numbers in it because <laughs> my fabulous. wife them. my it's wife fabulous she is so funny my wife is watching and she's like this is kind of dumb and i thought it added to the overall style of the film Again, one of the reasons why it was so original. So you guys like the musical numbers, too? I thought it was great.
2: Oh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, the Pink Song, the Dance Party, you know, and then I'm Just Ken, like...
0: (laughs) The I'm Just Ken one was really good. That was good. Oh, man. So anything else that we're, we're missing from this film that you want to talk about before you wrap up and do a uh, trivia?
2: Yes. So the, the other day I rewatched Barbie again, but mm-hmm. uh, on Crave, which is how we can watch it here in Canada, um, you can watch it with the ASL interpreter version. Oh, so interesting. So because I, I am a sign language interpreter, an American sign language interpreter, uh, I actually watched that version and it was amazing to have uh, an interpreter in the bottom right hand corner um, interpret the entire movie. It, it was it was amazing. So just to have that as another option um, for to make you know such a great movie accessible, they don't do a lot of this. So you know if everybody can, you know watch it at some point just to get the numbers up so that they can, create more ASL interpreted movies for deaf people out there. That would be
0: great. The more diversity, equity inclusion that we can inject into film, the better because I'm a huge film buff and the more people that can access film and enjoy film, the better I think, you know, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but Derek, any, any other thoughts on, on the film that we haven't touched base on?
1: Um just that at the top of the show we were talking about the, Do- the golden globe awards mm-hmm. so uh barbie yes. did end up winning a couple of them it won uh oh, best cinematic and box office achievement which was the new award it's basically the blockbuster award for movies that generated a lot of money and were very just popular um so they weren't necessarily saying it had the best acting best directing best writing they were just saying it was essentially the most appealing movie to the broadest audience. And, uh, other movies in this category included like the Taylor Swift, uh, movie, uh, which was the concert movie and, uh, and obviously some of the other movies that were nominated for best picture, but there's been a lot of discussion about adding a category like this to the award shows in general, specifically the Oscars and, uh, the Golden Globes beat them to the punch. And I think that, um this accomplished a few things obviously it, it got taylor swift in, the, in this specific instance it brought taylor swift to the show which probably encouraged additional viewers to watch to see if she was going to win or if she was going to present what she might do what she might say um it also i think gave academy vote well no what is it they're not academy they're the uh, foreign the, press association well it's, it's
2: changed now it, yeah it's not them it's a different it's the, body a now. Different
1: body. It, but it gives those voters an opportunity to not necessarily split votes and and struggle. It gives them an opportunity to say, well, how do we acknowledge this movie's success in a way that will, you know, genuinely recognize it, um, yet not um, exclude something else? So, uh, you know, like we talked last week, it's the, you know, based on the outcome of this award show, it sounds like Oppenheimer's going to run away with the Oscars. And that, that is what it is. And that's not to say it's not deserving. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. But... It then overshadows some of these other movies that uh, are, are, you know, uh, these these exceptionally, um, you know, unique one off circumstances where it's like, here's this movie that nobody expected to be this great. That's fantastic. And, and it definitely deserves some accolades. And this was an interesting way to to give it that uh, that acknowledgement and yet not deny Oppenheimer the, the coronation that it seems to be uh, leading towards. And, I'm, I'm, I'm really and
2: and as I mentioned, Barbie also won Best Song by yes. uh, Billie Eilish right. and, her, and her brother Finn um, for What Was I Made For? Really great song. But also, I'm Just Ken was also nominated. So, you know, they, they have a good sense of humor that way, too. Yep.
0: Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, I really like that you brought up Taylor Swift one last time because the parallels <laughs> between her and this film, There's there's multiple ones. And one that just came to mind was this. We were talking about the patriarchy and all this when she won that Grammy a number of years ago. And she gets up on stage and Kanye West goes over and takes the microphone from her. It's like a perfect example. It's like, yeah, okay, you won this award. But, you know, I'm a man and I just want to just let you I'm going to let you finish. But first, I just want to tell you who I think should have won. Like, Mm. geez. Oh, man. Just, yep. okay. So, Kay, want to put you on the spot. Rate this oh, movie no. out of 10 for me, would you?
2: Ooh, out of 10. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. I would give it a 9. Mm. Yep. Pretty Almost good. perfect. All yep. right.
0: Derek, what are your thoughts out of 10? I give it a 9.5. Wow.
2: Oh. <laughs>
0: I would also, I would agree with Kay. I would give this movie a 9 out of 10. It's wow. that good. It is, yeah, it is that it's good. It's great. It was really, really good. And I just want to thank you for bringing it to my attention because you know me. I only, And the thing is, too, like, I only like old stuff, but I feel like this movie has a timeless quality to it. it uh, although it's new and it's got this nice shiny look to it and everything. And it still would have appealed to people back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Like, it's just it feels a little bit universal. It's that's really good. Well,
2: some some of the costumes that the Barbies were wearing mm-hmm. at the dance party were actual recreations of what Barbies were wearing um, for like, you know, dance club parties that those were their costumes from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's why. I
1: was gonna say we watched it on Blu-ray, and mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of special features that showed behind the scenes how they did some of the stuff and the inspiration. So, if you have the opportunity to watch it on Blu-ray, give yourself an extra half an hour, forty minutes to watch the special features. You'll you'll probably enjoy most of them. Are little vignettes that are only about five or six minutes long, so you can you know watch one or two of them. In their entirety, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff there.
0: I stuck around for the credits. I'm sure you did as well. And I thought it was interesting how during the credits they were like flashing up different versions of Barbie and stuff over the years. Some of them that were hits and some that were misses. I <laughs> thought was pretty mm-hmm. interesting just to watch kind of the, the history of that play out. So all good. Okay, so we all agree it's nine or higher out of 10. So it's time now to have some fun with caveman. All right. Are you guys ready? Because it's time for us to play a little game that we mm. like to call... Pick the flick. Yeah, pick the flick. You get the synopsis, then pick the flick. You get the... Flick. Derek I love Katie. your
2: little song intros <laughs> ah, <thank you. laughs> thank
0: you. yes I gotta write some more songs I, it's been a while <laughs> since I wrote a new song so so Derek and Kate you guys can work together as a team on this one All you're right. you're like Barbie and Ken
1: oh well, actually uh, Derek, I'm, I'm, Derek we, we've already decided I'm after yeah, nap Ken
0: oh, you no know, no you're uh, you're more like, like, like you're more like Barbie and Alan. Actually,
1: oh, wow, (laughs) just what does Ken think?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so you guys are a team, you guys can work together. So, here's how it works you know, how this game works I give you the year and the synopsis, and you just have to come up with the title of the movie, okay? But all the movies in today's game are based on toys. Okay. okay. Now, because there's two of you, it might be a little bit harder than usual. Mm. So you got to put your thinking cap on there, Alan. Okay. Are you <laughs> ready? going
1: to answer them all before oh, I have a chance geez. to jump in anyways. Oh, well,
0: she's really good at this stuff. Okay. Well, we'll start it with one that maybe you'll know, Alan. 2009, an elite military unit comprised of special operatives operating <laughs> out of the pit takes on an evil organization led by a notorious arms dealer.
1: It sounds like GI Joe: The Rise of Cobra. Correct. All right, Nin- 1987. Yeah. A heroic
0: warrior battles against the evil lord Skeletor and his armies of <laughs> darkness for control of Castle Grayskull.
2: Is it He-Man and the Masters of the Universe?
0: I'll give it to you. It's just Masters of the Universe.
2: Oh, Masters. masters. Pardon me.
0: All right. 2007. An ancient struggle between two Cybertronian races, the heroic Autobots and the evil Decepticons, comes to Earth with a clue to the ultimate power held by a teenager. Want to take this one? Transformers. I'm going to sing more. Right, and yeah, you can confer back and forth before you answer. No problem. (laughs) 1986, the Autobots must stop a colossal planet-consuming robot who goes after the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. At the same time, they must defend themselves against an all-out attack from the Decepticons. I need the full title.
1: Yeah, that's isn't that just Transformers the movie? The
0: Transformers, the movie. But I'll give it to you. All right, nineteen ninety-six. Earth is invaded by Martians with unbeatable weapons and a cruel sense of humor. You know what's
1: fun? No Mars attacks.
0: Yes, it's based on a. It's based on Topps trading cards. Trading cards. Yeah. yeah go figure. Okay, two thousand and twelve. A fleet of ships is forced to do battle with an armada of unknown origins in order to discover and thwart their destructive goals. It's got Rihanna.
2: Oh, uh, Battleship.
0: (laughs) When I was looking this one up, I saw it was nominated for a bunch of awards and I was like, what? (laughs) But then when I clicked through, they were all Razzies. Yeah. So (laughs) apparently it kind of sucked. I don't know. Oh, it sucked. Yeah. All right, 1987, Dodger must confront the struggles of life as he is visited by a strange group of gross, mysterious little people and intimidated by some older bullies.
2: Wow. Is that Little Soldiers?
0: No, it is Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) sure. Based on trading cards also, which were themselves a parody of Cabbage Patch Kids. Cabbage Patch Kids never got a movie though, did they? No.
1: Uh, I think they got cartoons.
0: Oh, maybe. All right. 2015. As a small... town. They're going to get harder here. Okay. Mm. Can you work together? 2015. As a small town girl catapults from underground video sensation to global superstar, she and her three sisters... Begin a journey of discovery that some talents are too special to keep hidden. Hmm.
2: Gem and the Holograms?
0: That's truly outrageous. Yes, the toy line from 1986. Basically, Barbies for the music video age back then, (laughs) right? Okay, 2007, during their first year of high school, four best girlfriends face off against the domineering student body president who wants to split them up into different social cliques.
1: What was the year? 2007?
0: 2007. That's correct. I have no idea. Do you know? No. No idea. Brats. Sure. Sure. Brats
1: with a Z? With a
0: Z. You got it. So you're familiar with it. Okay. 1985. A group of stuffed animals team up with a troubled brother and sister who just moved to a new town to help a neglected young magician's apprentice whose evil spell book causes sinister things to
1: happen. You want to take this?
2: Uh, care Bears the movie? <laughs> I think that's a
0: care bear yes. movie? The Care Bears movie? <laughs> the Care Bears movie is correct, yes. Canadian film, animated. Uh, okay, 2022. A little newer, all right? follows a half-human and half-werewolf as she finally finds a place where she fits. But when a devious plan to destroy an exclusive school threatens to reveal her identity, she must learn to embrace her true monster heart and save the day.
1: I don't know new toys. I have no idea. Do you have any idea? Monster High maybe? I don't know.
0: Monster High, (laughs) the movie, yes, based on the the fashion doll franchise by Mattel. Very good. All right, 1986. Snyder, a historian who has spent many years trying to unlock the powers of a statue, wishes to capture Max for validation of his life's work.
1: Oh, um, is it uh, My Pet Monster?
0: Oh god.
2: Wow. It is. It's a big it's, it's, on there's
1: a live action Canadian film called My Pet
0: Monster. Might be I, it might be the single most frightening looking character in a kid's movie ever. It is terrifying looking. It makes Reagan from the Exorcist look like a puppy dog. I'm telling you. The thing is <laughs> terrifying. All right. Last one. Mm. Two thousand and eight. Set in Cincinnati at the height of the Great Depression. A resourceful young girl helps her mother run a boarding house after her father loses his job.
1: It's based on a toy. Yes. I have no idea. Any? No. No idea. Kit Kittredge, an American girl.
0: Sure. I remember when those dolls first came out. Oh man, Oliver! I was on this business trip in Chicago. I had to go to the American Girls store on Michigan Avenue to find had this to. like. Had to. Well, <laughs> I was going there for my friend's my best friend's daughter. She wanted me to sure. get this specific doll. He contacted me.
1: Whatever cover story works for you, bud. <laughs> yeah,
0: there was like three it was like a three-story department store just for these dolls. And let wow. me tell you, they were creepy. It was like they were big dolls. It was like a female Chucky doll. Like <laughs> creepy looking. I just left it in the trunk of my car when I stayed at the hotel. I was afraid it was gonna come to life and kill so me. So you
1: angered it. Yes, it you. <laughs> oh man,
0: that thing scared me. So Kay, thanks for joining us again. You added a nice cl- touch of class around here. Something uh, we're sorely uh, missing, you know? You're gonna come back again sometime. thank you very
2: much for having me. You'll
0: come back again, won't you sometime?
2: All right, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Oh, good, all right, I appreciate it. Okay, so for next time, um, what do you say we review a movie? Uh, Derek, since you had us watch something new, It's probably only appropriate that we go back in time, and I'll pick something for our next movie review. So, tell you what, since Barbie was all about women and empowerment and identity, let's go back in time to another movie that explored some of those same themes. I'm going to have us go all the way back to 1980. Derek, I want you to tumble out of bed, stumble to the kitchen, pour yourself a cup of Ambition, and watch Nine to Five with
1: Dolly Parton. Awesome! Actually, just watched. I watched part of this like about six months ago. It Was on. I caught some of it on TV, but uh. so we're going to come back next time. We're going
0: to review Nine to Five with with Lily Tomlin, Jane Fond, and Dolly Parton, and of course, the worst boss ever, Dabney, Dabney Coleman. Coleman. Oh my gosh! All right. Until then, this is Chris McBride on behalf of myself and Derek and Kay Myers, saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.